You're listening to the Skillflex podcast. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Skillflex. We are back after a brief hiatus and joining us today is Raquel Focardi, a multi-generational workforce strategist. Thank you firstly uh, Raquel for doing this. My first question would be I, I want to take you back to 2019 actually which is right before the pandemic. I remember in 2019 December I was at a HR tech conference. and uh, we were talking about digitization of hr the gig economy you know how automation is going to disrupt jobs of the future and very typical hr tech topics especially before the pandemic but we were talking about all of those a little far out in the future and i think what's happened shortly after in a couple of months after that conference is that all of these things and all of these trends that we were talking about as just conceptually academic you know conversations they all became a reality very quickly and there's just a lot of disruption that's taken place in how you know work is done how workplaces operate you know when you kind of think about the pandemic and the trends that have emerged and the changes that have emerged which ones do you think are the legitimate ones which ones do you think are there to stay you know of the you know various things around gig economy and digital work etc which ones uh, are are interesting to you and exciting to you from a sustainable point of view Well, I mean, I'm I'm actually really excited uh, uh, you know right now because at the onset of the pandemic I was a moderator, I mean a, a panelist and a and a speaker at a number of events and everybody like you said was trying to think what will the impact be of this pandemic and one of the big questions was, you know, some of these topics have been really uh, at the core of a lot of intergenerational conflict. So if we think about, you know, a lot of the changes that were brought by the pandemic, you know, the first off, you know, being technology. You know, technology right. when we look at the multi-generational workforce and the reason why the young and the older generations typically failed to to connect technology was one big divider you know you had the new generations who wanted to work remotely who wanted to work flexibly who wanted to use technology uh, much more in their daily work and you had the older generations that were more resistant to it and then what happened is the pandemic as you said you know forced the technology adoption on everybody organizations that were incredibly resistant and those leaders who were incredibly resistant all of a sudden had to adopt it and i think this is you know one of the top things and one of the top benefits benefits. I released a new study called the post-pandemic workplace study and the idea was to really understand what the impact of the pandemic was on the different generations. The older generations actually say came out of the pandemic was exactly the adoption of technology. It it was something that, you know, I was resistant to initially, but now having embraced it, three things have happened. First thing is I can continue to remain a productive member of the workforce for much much longer. The second thing is I'm more equipped to better communicate with the younger generations. And number 3, I can actually enjoy flexible working, which is something that I usually pushed back on in the younger generations fundamentally because it's something I didn't know and I was more comfortable with presenteeism and being in the office. But now that we actually had a chance to experience technology, we love it. We can do a lot more without needing to commute or to travel. We can focus more on, you know, health and eating healthy and working out and all these kind of things. So, technology is definitely one of those uh uh trends that is going to stay. I was actually asking the multi-generational workforce uh, and employees across generations what they envision and what they think is the ideal future of work. Everybody agrees that it's hybrid. And the interesting thing is that the baby boomers and the older generations are the ones that want hybrid a little bit more. Uh the Gen Zs are the ones that actually uh most 
say that they would want to go back to it, even though, again, everybody agrees that hybrid is, is one of them. So technology is definitely one. I think the second thing is leadership styles. Comic has forced us to redefine what a leader should look like. I mean, I think our own idea of leadership was very much put to the test. Managers had to find themselves having to support the employees that were going across a plethora of different challenges and difficulties when it comes to adapting to you know, the new way of working and the pandemic. And that really mm -hmm. forced leaders to take a step back, rethink their leadership strategy and their leadership style, uh, become more flexible, more empathetic, more compassionate, give people a little more space, uh, be more hands off. And I think that's also here to stay. I think this new leadership style that has emerged, not just in businesses, but also in society and governments, you know, just in the art and being a good example of that uh, is a leadership style that's going to be here to stay. So I would say that these are definitely two of the biggest trends that have emerged from the pandemic. And the third one, of course, is, you know, the, the importance of intergenerational collaboration. I think, you know, organizations now have uh, had the opportunity to realize that all the challenges we're facing as a business, but also as a society, simply cannot be addressed through the traditional and hierarchical way of doing business, but really only by combining, you know, the social mindedness, tech savviness, creativity of the young generations with a plethora of knowledge and experience of the older ones. The third, of course, is very dependent on whether organizations were capitalized uh, on the opportunity to finally connect employees across age groups. And then, of course, you know, addressing all the skills gaps in the meantime, because ultimately there is so much that different generations can learn from each other. And I think the pandemic has also shown that. You know, the third thing that you said was the intergenerational collaboration. Something that I was reading about, which is really interesting, was social collisions and how collisions at the, you know, these casual collisions at the workplace yes. actually enable a lot of learning and a lot of collaboration. And that's really the key of how people learn, you know, on the fly and how they are able to connect dots a lot faster than they would possibly in a, in a completely remote setting. So how do you kind of balance the collaboration in a remote setting, in a, you know, in a gig economy, in a remote economy? How do you make sure that it doesn't end up being unproductive or inefficient when it comes to collaboration? I think this is such a good question. And I think it's a, it's a two-prong issue or challenge or opportunity, whatever you, you want to call it. Um, I think on one hand, what the pandemic has done, it has bridged uh, the generational divide in ways that were unprecedented. Prior to COVID, you know, the reason why generations weren't getting along or weren't understanding or collaborating together effectively was fundamentally because all the forces that have shaped them were experienced in silos. Now, what happened with COVID-19, as I, as I always say, is almost like Haley's comment, right? It, it provided a real unprecedented uh, scenario, uh, one where every generation um, in almost every part of the world, in the workplace, experience the same thing at the same time. And so what this has done is it has brought generations together more than ever. And what we just talked about is a big example of that, right? Before the struggle mm -hmm. between working from home, working from the office, resistant to technology, pushing technology, all those things have just kind of, you know, blown away, um, disappeared. And now all of a sudden generations are aligned. And in fact, hybrid is now the ideal and preferred method for every generation. So that's one thing I wanted to clarify every generation agrees that that's the way forward however the ones that choose it a little bit more are the baby boomers because they for the first time have an opportunity to experience something they haven't and on the other hand gen z for example are the ones that find most value uh, out of all generations in being in the office and obviously it's a no-brainer right they're actually the ones that are least engaged in hybrid working so obviously they're starting to value that high touch and that opportunity to learn from one another that they never had and again from a generational perspective this brought them together now the thing that's interesting is that 
that team collaboration has become more challenging. Generations are more than ever interested in learning from each other, in mm -hmm. understanding one another, in exchanging skills in experiencing things together. And actually, as a matter of fact, 69% of employees across generation for the first time in 18 years say that they believe that older and younger generations both have equal challenges and opportunities in a multi-generational uh, workplace. However, unfortunately, because of the remote working environment, most employees across generations agree that both the frequency and the quality of intergenerational collaboration has declined significantly. If we look at the way that the workplace is structured and we look at the hierarchical structure of normal businesses, typically even people that are in the same team, unless they're in the same project team, they don't really have the opportunity to connect. I think now it's, it's going to be critical for organizations to be able to identify ways, processes, systems, and approaches that actually enable generations to continue to work together, to align each other, to learn from one another, even if they are in remote settings. And I think this is going to be critical because if companies can nail that, if they can figure out how to leverage on this newfound energies that generations have and newfound understanding towards one another, that makes them really want to make it work. And they can develop, you know, ways for them to really be connected and learn from each other remotely, uh, even in this new environment. Um, then I think they're going to witness a level of innovation and Progress that they probably have never seen. However, if they fail to do that, what's going to happen is I think generations ultimately are going to go back into their silos, things will cool down, and we will have missed out on an enormous opportunity to get generations to not only collaborate more effectively, but also honestly, you know, teach and learn and upskill themselves by interacting with one another. I think as a result of the pandemic and the acceleration of the adoption of technology and well, what's really happened is essentially we found a common ground. We found the tools that are able to, you know, enable this collaboration. But there needs to be a lot more work that needs to be done to be able to then unlock the real power of these tools to make sure that there's actually, we build from here on as opposed to go back to square one where we're falling into the trap of not really using these, these common tools. Well. When it comes to skills, you know, you have organizations that are struggling so much right now to hire the right skills, train the right skills. You have upskilling programs, reskilling programs. Companies, I think, fail to understand is that the vast majority of skills that any one individual needs to be successful is already present in the organization. So if we actually look at the strengths, skill sets, competencies of the different generations and we bring those together, it pretty much encompasses everything that businesses and organizations need. And in fact, 97% of employees across generation say that they are desperate to learn from their multi-generational colleagues. Baby boomers think that they have much to learn from Gen Z and you know, Gen, Gen X from, from millennials and vice versa. So, I mean, this also represents a unique opportunity for organizations to actually help their employees embark on that learning journey together because the skills are there and nothing is going to unlock the power of intergenerational collaboration more than giving employees the opportunity to be both mentors and mentees, you know, both learn and, and teach, both gain and, and share. I read somewhere very interestingly that people actually are loyal to people and not organizations per se. They are actually engaged with people more than the organization. How do you stay engaged as a Gen Z person who has actually just come into the workforce? Probably first job that you entered, you entered remotely. How do you develop a sense of belonging with an organization? And how do you stick around? You know, because attrition also is a huge problem for organizations currently. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's a really good point. I think that there's a couple of things. Um, so one thing that I find is that purpose is a very strong glue that will join and will bond generations together. So when I ask employees across generation, what is the number one way in which the pandemic has impacted their relationship, their employer and their organization? Uh, purpose is number one. So the fact that now they all feel that they need to align themselves and each other around a shared purpose or an individual sense of purpose that can then be translated into the broader organization. And particularly for Gen Z, they're already very purpose-driven and already want to feel that they can make a significant contribution in a very short period of time and already feel that they need to align to themselves to something bigger than themselves and make the world better. If they feel that the organization has a sense of purpose, the organization acknowledges and recognizes their own need for purpose, helps them unlock it and enable it, and then they have you know, multi-generational colleagues around them that can together uh, enable that sense of purpose and, 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 and pursue a sense of shared purpose, I think that would, would definitely help keep uh, this new generation together. The other thing as well, I specifically asked Gen Z, and I asked actually every generation, uh, what are the most effective initiatives for cultural bond in remote teams? And Gen Z said that the very first and most important thing was um, good communication tools, especially communication tools that are customized or that are bespoke. So for example, some things that they were talking about were new customized virtual onboarding tools, more collaboration tools that are custom to the individual or the team. So all these kind of customized collaboration tools. The second thing actually that Gen Z said they would really need in order to feel connected to the organization and to continue to maintain a bond in remote teams is actually mental health support. So this is something that they identified as the second most important things that companies should support them with. And then this is followed by flexible schedule, care packs, irregular meetings, agile practices, and so on and so forth. And then one other thing that they specifically mentioned when I asked, you know, what else is it that you would need in order to feel connected to your organization and your team, this word empathy, you know, kept coming mm -hmm. up a lot. A lot of the Gen Zs are saying, you know, you, you need to make a genuine effort to get to know me, to understand me and to help me understand you. If we can't create that connection remotely, it's not going to work. So things like, for example, daily one-on-one -on -one check ins, taking the time to ask Ask me how I'm doing, but really wanting to hear about it, really taking the time to, to listen. And I think, I mean, going back to addressing the leadership challenge and, you know, 21st century leadership is with empathy at the front and center, right? I mean, you essentially have to be able to work, to work across generations, to work with different groups, uh, to work in different settings. I think empathy is probably going to be the most critical skill from a leadership standpoint. Would you agree? That's the other thing. I mean, that's the thing that's really mm -hmm. going to keep Gen Z connected to the organization. Of, of course, aside from you know all these activities and initiatives to, to keep people connected remotely and purpose which as I mentioned is going to be a strong glue but the type of leader uh, mm -hmm. that they're going to get to work with uh, the leadership examples they have that's going to be fundamental see one thing that's interesting about Gen Z is that they hate the term leader it surprised me initially as I was talking to Gen Z's from all over the world and when I asked you know why is it that you are so against this term leader you kind of stay away from it one student told me the term leader has been thrown around and bestowed upon undeserving people particularly in school and these people then developed a sense of superiority and authority over others 
others, a false sense of competency and accountability, pride, denial, and arrogance. So I have this idea that in the past, of course, it was different leadership qualities that we, you know, society was looking for. So these people that perhaps were more aggressive, more bossy, spoke more, took charge more, were the ones that at a very early age were identified as future leaders. And then they developed this arrogance and sense of superiority, while they feel many of those who actually had genuine leadership qualities, like compassion, maybe those who listened more than they spoke, those who were empathic, and so on. And they never really got to become leaders because they were never groomed as such. So for this new generation, you know, true leadership really means the ability to take up a challenge and to serve and help, regardless of fame, of recognition, of money, and personal gain. So, you know, when they look at those leaders that are self-appointed, those leaders that are authoritarian, those leaders who believe that they're superior for some reason or are in a role where they have significant benefits, they, they just can't connect with that. To them, you know, leadership is something that you should gain by followership. You know, you should gain because, you know, you, you, you're a visionary and people follow you and then you become a leader because you're committed to something that can galvanize people behind a big, important cause. So when it comes yeah. to future leadership for this new generation, things like leaders who are really open-minded, leaders who share the credit, leaders who recognize success, who lead by example, who empower them, who are inspiring and committed to vision and purpose, but also who are authentic and relatable. And so I think, you know, this is hard because how do you show relatability and authenticity when you work remotely, right? So this is where, right. you know, it's going to become really important for the older generations who are probably very uncomfortable with it. I am myself to kind of let down the guard and realize that now is the time for leaders to be powerfully vulnerable and being able to do that is really going to be able to gain followership but it's also going to set the grounds for you know a healthy you know employer relationship and in fact you know when you talk to the older generations many of them i mean they're happy with their style of leadership but 86 percent say that there's a lot they'd like to change about it becoming the kind of leaders that you know create followership uh has become a priority for many older generations so this is something else that's great that's come out of the pandemic is it's it's forcing us to rethink you know our mindset yeah. frame our mindset and embrace a complete new type of leadership that i think will make us happier as well as the people that work with us no absolutely i think everything that you also pointed out around what makes people stick around and especially gen z's what makes them belong to an organization like purpose and everything cultural around it i feel like at the end of the day it all boils boils down to leadership right because essentially absolutely. it's the leader who has to enable uh, that vision who has to essentially talk about the manifestation of the purpose and the vision at all given points in time and encourage their team members and, and kind of motivate them towards that specific goal that they are working towards. So I think at the end of the day, it boils down to leadership completely. But going back again now to something that you mentioned earlier, you know, around peer-to-peer -peer learning, even for someone who's at the cusp of becoming a leader for the first time, a first-time people manager, where can they, how, how, how does one pick up these skills? Uh, where can they go to be able to learn these skills? And, you know, in, in the leaders that you've seen who have these skills and who, have, who are able to, you know, drive their teams, who, you know, who are purposeful and visionary, what is it about them that gets them to this place? I mean, I think it's equally challenging, as challenging mm -hmm. for the older generations as it is for the young ones. Because for the older mm -hmm. generations, I think it has a lot to do with rethinking uh, your idea mm -hmm. of leadership. And that requires mm -hmm. a lot of humility. It requires yeah. a lot of inwards 
soul searching, you know, a lot of actually looking back at to the leader that you have been up until now and, and how you need to improve yourself. But I mean, many older generations, you know, had leadership styles that are totally not aligned with what the new generations or even the new workplace, right. the new society needs. So for the older generation, it's about really looking inwards that that's not something that they can do alone. I think organizations really need to be able to support that process through coaching, through workshops, through really helping leaders understand that it's time to unleash and reignite uh, a different style of leadership. And for the younger generations, I think in some cases it comes more easily, especially for, you know, the millennials who already have that mindset that we're all equally special. We're all equally important in our own different ways. We should all be valued for our diversity to basically open up, uh, I think, the door for, you know, differences, probably a little more complicated for older generations that have a very fixed idea of what talent was supposed to look like. At the end of the day, it comes down to a few basics, right? It comes down to sensibility. You know, it comes down mm -hmm. to really being able to be mindful about the way that, you know, you interact with other people. I mean, you know, your, your style, your approach may work with a young generation, if you are a millennial or a Gen Z, but it may rub off the older generations the wrong way, or it may make them defensive. I think the other mm -hmm. thing is curiosity, you know, fundamentally mm -hmm. being curious about those mm -hmm. around you and really wanting to hear and understand their perspectives. Um, the other is perspective taking, you know, really sitting mm -hmm. down and realizing that, you know, my view is just as important as everybody else. I should be able to listen to the perspectives of others. I think when it comes to leadership and especially conflicts between generation, it has a lot to do with the fact that very often we take things personally. Being able to realize that, you know, maybe the behaviors and mindsets that I disapprove of have nothing to do with me. It's just that I don't understand them, I think is going right. to be very critical. So there are a number of things that I think we can all leverage and look inwards to right. unleash and unlock in ourselves that would make us great leaders. But of course, you know, we do need the support of organizations in whichever way possible, if not only by bringing out the elephant in the room and telling us it's okay to redefine yourself. It's okay to come out as a, as a different leader, to admit that there's areas that you would like to improve on. For example, I was recently doing a study with, with leaders who are baby boomers and, and Gen X fundamentally, mostly. And I asked them, you know, what is it that you would want to improve in your leadership styles? And they admitted, and this was anonymous, that they have challenges dealing with different people, that they, you know, do not always know how to communicate appropriately. That that they, you know, they have a hard time with people and stakeholder management. They are not as encouraging or as empathetic as they should be. That they have no idea right. how to lead remote teams or support people through mental health challenges and other issues. To draw out better participation, contribution, and engagement, and how to manage conflicts. So these are all things that even the older leaders, as well as the young ones, admit to not necessarily being equipped. So, uh, so this is where the organization should come in and help them. I absolutely think for the older generations, the the bit around unlearning and to be able to kind of, you know, make that reset, I feel like it's it's super challenging. And with the younger generations, of course, I feel like their concept of leadership is essentially defined by the ones that they've seen, right? And where there are gaps as well. So they need to be able to hold on to some of their strengths as the younger generation. Some of the, some of the ideas and concepts that they have, you know, that they bring very organically to the table, but also then uh, kind of evolve that and develop that into... Uh, some sort of a leadership style that works that is that doesn't compromise on uh, on results and outcomes, but also is empathetic in its approach. Is actually people first in its approach as opposed to, and is more coaching as opposed to 
supervisory. You know, one thing that I forgot to mention, actually, that I think is quite interesting, when I was talking to Gen Z and to the young generations about what they, you know, what leadership training is to them, I mean, they believe that it's the opportunity to experiment exactly what you said with the different styles of management, different forms of delegation, different problem solving with a sustained emphasis on the bigger picture, and then basically being able to pull whatever it is that works for them and put that to service. So it's interesting because, you know, I was talking to this Gen Z and she told me above else preparation for leadership means allowing someone the space and compassion for practice, for trial and error, for failure, because from failure comes growth through lived experiences. So that's something, for example, that you would never associate with leadership back in the day. You never wanted to have failure and leader in the same sentence. But but these new generations actually say failure is going to make us the best leaders. And then the other thing that's interesting is I've been asking a lot to these new generations what kind of leaders they think they're going to be. And like you said, they're not there yet, but they define themselves as future goal-based leaders. So they say, of course, we don't have any idea what kind of leader we will be because we're not there yet. But since society is nowadays more fluid and dynamic, their generation will lead the world with goal-based leadership, which means in facing the next challenges, they will do whatever it takes to eliminate the problem using any possible avenue so that mankind can survive and the world can go on. And the main focus for them as leaders will be to reach that goal. So even if initially we're going to be witnessing different leadership styles simply because of media fragmentation, because if we think about it with millennials, the internet brought the same knowledge to everybody. But with Gen Z, because of algorithms that dictate what kind of content you're exposed to, depending on what content you read or search, you know, you may have, you know, four Gen Zs that live in the same household and somewhat have different views of the world or organizations or leadership. So, you know, I believe that media fragmentation will initially be reflected in a vast array of different approaches to leadership, but ultimately pressing social and environmental issues will make this new generation lead with empathy, awareness, and love for the world. Leadership itself, I think, is a great use case for peer-to-peer learning. I think there's so much that the older generations can yes. uh, can take away from the younger generations and just understanding their perspective and developing that, uh, you know, certain mindsets, which enables them to work across generations, across ca- different categories of people, but also for younger generations to be able to see, okay, what parts of effective leadership do we need to kind of take away from people who've led in the past, who have experience yes. uh, from their trial and errors. Yes. Uh, so I feel like that's, that's a great use case for uh, just intergenerational collaboration, Amazing. for learning, and uh, but just the last question, of course, is what else? Like what else from a skill standpoint, from a learning standpoint, can can people learn from within the organization? You very rightly said that the organization typically has most skills within the structure, within the establishment. Uh, you know, all it takes essentially is to be able to identify those skills, to be able to know, uh, uh, you know, who is a specialist or who who has possesses what skills, and then unlock that or enable that person to transfer those skills to other people in the team as well. Uh, What are the other, some of the other learning use cases that you think are definitely present especially given different generations within the workforce? Well, I mean, I think, like I said, I mean, this kind of like two-way learning is is critical, right? And in fact, you're seeing so many organizations now that have shadow boards uh, where they, you know, get young talent from within the organization and they kind of align them and make them work together alongside the executive committee to solve, you know, all problems of strategic importance to the business. Not being able to combine the perspectives of all the different generations just leads to a lot of blind spots in decision-making. I mean, 97 7% of employees say that they want to learn a lot from their multi-generational colleagues. The baby boomers and Gen X want to learn about digital and technology and new age thinking and things like multitask. 
crafting or creative thinking or how to care for the environment, work-life balance, uh, you know, from the younger right. generation and the younger generations who are new to the workplace. And especially like you said earlier, I mean, they haven't had exposure, you know, in an office environment surrounded by their multi-generational peers. They admit that I don't know much about the art of negotiation or work ethics or leadership or networking or strategic thinking. Many of the soft skills, the courage, the attention to detail, and even things like organizational politics or professional conduct, how to get dressed for a meeting. These kind of things are all things that generations are desperate to learn from one another. But they say whenever organizations have mentoring programs in place, they're usually too formal and people don't really let down their guard enough to really learn. So one thing that works really well and that I've supported organizations with for, for a long time now is, is duos, right? Is, is, is put together, find you know an older employee, more senior employee and a really young ones and get them to kind of reconnect, re-energize each other and redefine the way of working together by really sharing and learning from one another. So identifying things that you can teach me that I don't know. And all the while I will share my life stories, my personal stories, you know, my tidbits of my golden nuggets to you. And this is something that works very well. I think one of the biggest issues in companies fundamentally is that there's this kind of tug of war between the young leadership, the future leadership and the existing leadership, as opposed to the older generation realizing that they have no more important role than actually to prepare the future generations for leadership. And that is a really wonderful example of collaboration that any generation can leverage upon. Another thing that I think works really well, for example, is um, multi-generational project teams. Every organization that has been able to uh, establish or work that way um, has never gone back. So I, I had an, an example in my book uh, of, of Siemens, you know, which is a obviously large multinational organization you know, German company, engineers. And, you know, at one point they were supposed to kind of reinvent the entire talent acquisition function within the business. And in order to do that, they needed to drive five years worth of innovation in one year. And the person who was running the project realized the only way to really achieve this is through intergenerational collaboration. So what they did is they brought together a multi-generational team where you had your Caucasian, you know, older baby boomer engineers alongside your young Indian, Southeast Asia, and all over the world, you know, Gen Zers, millennials, and so on and so forth. And what they did is they supported the team to address the challenges they will be facing, to you know, get behind a shared vision, to have fun together, to break boundaries. Um, but the way that they did it was to basically ensure that everybody would collaborate, not based on years of experience, but based on what they were great at. If, if an organization is able to bring together a multi-generational team and say, listen, I strip you guys of seniority. Every single person in this team is an expert at what they're right. hired or what they're here to do. And they encourage people to work together, not based on years of experience, but based on expertise and competencies and skill sets. I mean, that's when the magic happens. So for example, one thing that Siemens said is, you know, the younger generations, they came up with very simple solutions and they use technologies very effectively. So we left it to them to do that. And then the older generations understood the industry, understood the business, knew you know, how to anticipate roadblocks, knew how how to get stakeholder involvement. And so we let them do that. You know, we were able to really drive innovation so rapidly. And the most interesting thing is that when the project was over, nobody wanted to go back to the old traditional way of working. They all loved it. There's nothing more than different generations want than to be seen, be valued, be recognized and appreciated, not just from their employer, but from one another.
And this is exactly what multi-generational teams do. So that's another great example. That, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much. Firstly, it's, it was super fascinating to hear some of these statistics as well as stories. But I also think that it validates some of the work that we do at Fundamento because I think these are all skills that we measure as well. And I think it's, you know, these are deep insights that uh, also help us uh, inform the teams and companies that we work with that these are the kind of people who are probably good at one specific skill and there is a big case of peer-to-peer learning versus others who probably bring something more slightly different and something special to the table as well. No, I agree. And I think, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, and this is where it goes down to empathy, when it goes down to change of mindset, when it goes down to just really being authentic with one another. If we think about it, I mean, the best way to capitalize on these skills and learn together is to admit that I don't know these things. There's something for me to learn here. So the extent right. to which they're going to bring positive outcomes to business and society, I mean, I think they're going to be way greater than what we can even imagine. Shared vulnerability and the responsible vulnerability across different groups that I think that's really going to unlock the value of what they have uh, to teach to, to one another. So thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much. That's all for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Skill Flex podcast. Tune into our weekly chats by hitting that follow button on our podcast page.